Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, hello, and welcome. Or should I say welcome back to the Indie Football Podcast. My name is Ed Malian, sports editor of The Independent. And uh, it's a special day because we have the return of one of our favourite podcasters today. He is the chief sports writer of The Independent. And his name is Jonathan Liu. Hello. Hello, Johnny. Welcome back. Um, thank you. How I, was the Caribbean? Um, if anything, it was a little bit too hot at times. I think I, I prefer my sort of temperature ranges. My preferred temperature range probably about 22 to 26. This was more in the sort of 25 to 30 region. But pleasant, pleasant. Pleasant. The sport was was good, bad, middling. Well, uh, I was kind of expecting England to roll over the the Windies, but they were brilliant. The uh, and it was really kind of um, gratifying to see West Indies cricket back on its feet. Fast bowlers steaming in, you know, pitch doing loads. Um, yeah, uh, really great sport. England, terrible. Food any good in the Caribbean? I've had never a, actually been. I had a lot of jerk chicken. Jerk chicken, excellent. Like, you know, have you ever been to Tasty Jerk next to um, in Sellers Park? Sellers Park. Course, yeah, it's it's basically that everywhere but outdoors and in lovely weather and really good and really good yeah well we're glad to have you back uh straight back into the fire this weekend really with those big games and uh who else to talk about those than miguel delaney yep uh chief football writer of the independent and indeed the only man to have talked to the big talking point of the weekend uh drafted in yesterday at wembley to talk to kepa ardobolakalaga about the huge incident, which I guess is the best way to start off today's podcast. We, of course, do have Liverpool Man United to talk about as well. Uh, and a bit of a Champions League review after this week's games. You were, in, you were at both games. You were at game Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you were at the Cup I was again Monday, Sunday. Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Sunday. Yeah. Perfect. So let's talk Kepa. Yeah. Um, you went and spoke to Kepa after the game, which is interesting in itself because uh, Chelsea tried to kill this story yeah. stone dead uh which i think by the way brilliant from them i mean there are other clubs who might have let this one yeah. fester and tried to shut it down in different ways chelsea immediately sari comes out says it's a, a misunderstanding uh and then kepper's also put up so you go out there and speak to kepper well, they were very proactive i think i remember i was actually in the sari press conference because i was meant to write about it because we thought basically that he would do maybe well given given his reaction on the touchline, yes this could be a good one this could be like Arsenal multiplied by 10. The rare press conference where you're actually thinking it might be good. Yeah, yeah. And then he comes out. I know. Then while Pep Guardiola was talking, before he even comes in, he kills it basically. <laughs> like, kind of, like, takes away all the, all the fur. Like, like, it was a misunderstanding. Uh, and then, so anyway, as, he, as he's suddenly talking so much more diplomatically, and I was kind of taking notes about how we're going to write around this, I started getting messages from journalists who were in the mix zone. Yeah, meanwhile, like, like, in, like, in the mix zone... Yeah. Uh, Somebody from somebody from Chelsea whose name I should probably know uh, comes over and says, uh, "Where's Miguel?" Or uh, yeah, we, we need a Spanish speaker to you know to talk to Kepper. We're going to put Kepper up, take him, take a you know backstage, and he can sort of put his side of the story in. Mm. And um, at, at which point, you know, I I scurried back into the press conference room to try and find Miguel to find that the door was locked and Sari was still in there talking at, at great length. Yeah. So then, but eventually, I, I went out and 
was waiting for Kepa out by there, the dressing rooms. Um, but he came out. He was actually, the one thing I would say, I expected him to be very kind of contrite and maybe a bit, maybe a bit kind of, um, given the whole point was that, I think some of the words that were used, he's getting killed on Twitter. Um, I expect maybe that he would be a bit kind of overall by all this. But no, he, became, he was very forthright about it. And the one thing I would say for him, I mean, everyone thinks fairly maybe that uh, it was a misunderstanding is just a line. But he didn't say it in the sense of someone just kind of, you know, repeating what had been told, if you know what I mean. He was he was quite, uh, he, he was forthright about it. And, you know. Well, he didn't. I mean, that, that's the question, isn't it? Mm. Did he seem like he'd been told to say what he said? No? I don't think so. I, I'll, I'll give him the benefit out there. So you've given him the benefit of doubt say it was misunderstanding. Uh, it's maybe not a surprise to me that you say he's forthright, given he was stood on the <laughs> Wembley turf flicking his <laughs> wrist at, at his manager. <laughs> uh, a 23-year-old goalkeeper yeah. kind of swatting away <laughs> the like enraged coach on the sideline uh, trying to bring him off the field, mm. effectively. And, and yeah. I guess, you know, the the big talk was that Willy Caballero has actually got one of the best penalty saving records in, in the world yeah. and against his former club and, and it might have been a tactical decision. Caballero was apparently very, very uh, angry. He was, he was. Um, I spoke to someone who, who, a South American journalist who talked to him afterwards and said that Caballero was, was irate for obvious reasons. But mm. I think I think he saw it as much as a tactical change as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're taking into account, of course, that he used to play for City, mm. the psychological element there, the fact that he's good at penalties as things are anyway. Um, when we saw Sarri storming down the tunnel, I don't know if you saw that from your position, but we saw on TV, we, we saw were, Sarri yeah. storm down the tunnel. And I did wonder, legitimately, if that was the last we were ever going to see him, Maurizio Sarri. <laughs> do there was a slight sense of, is he going to just walk out of the stadium and never be seen again? <laughs> well, but, I mean, why, why wouldn't I think that? I'm watching this. This is absolutely insane. Like, you know, I, I'd, kind of, I'd, chosen to, I'd chosen to watch all of these games on TV rather than go to any of them so I could get both of them. And, and the Liverpool Man United one was fine, which we'll get on to later. This game was, was bad. We're going into like three and a half hours of nil-nils at this stage. And this whole incident like lights the entire thing up. Yeah. But I just didn't know what was happening. Like the TV people didn't know what was happening. The people on the sideline didn't know what was happening. Sari sure as hell didn't know yeah. what was happening. Kepa sure as hell didn't know what was happening. Cesar Azpilicueta and David Luiz, which I think speaks to maybe a, a leadership vacuum at Chelsea, yeah, didn't seem yeah. to know what was happening. And then Sari storms down the tunnel. I can completely see a scenario where that is the last we ever see him as Chelsea <laughs> manager. Like it was, it was so bizarre. Yeah, and, and then he kind of. <laughs> stomped down to the doors and then like walked back yeah. and then was just started throwing stuff at the ground <laughs> so he, he's going with the public show of anger yeah. but he's not he doesn't really I, follow through it was bizarre I think he, I mean people are talking about his damaged authority I think the fact that he stormed down the tunnel and then came back is, is, is far more of a of humiliating climb down than, <laughs> than anything he had, to, he had to put up with from Kepa if you walk down the tunnel yeah you've got to go you can't you can't get to the door and i think i think maybe mm. he wanted he wanted to slam the door and make a big you know make a big exit um and, yeah. and then realize yeah. the door wouldn't slam yeah 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 uh, it's like like having an argument in a tent you can't yeah. you can't really you can't you have to slam the flat really hard so you can't really make a good a, exit. A, a, a journalist friend Laurie Whitwell described it as basically having a fight with your missus but then not having the bottle to go through with it I suppose, I suppose you could you could put it like that as well, mm. and then obviously he has to he has to very sheepishly come back and yeah. and, and be very angry. There's a point at which just go in the game. Uh, when yeah. it begins to dawn on him, yeah. God, this isn't going to plan. <laughs> so well, on the scale of this is a mis- misunderstanding at, at one end, yeah. and at the other end, 
Um, I think maybe it was in the Telegraph I read. Uh, Kepper is a disgrace. Mm. Uh, you know the fact that he let Aguero's penalty kind of through his hands a little bit. Uh, apparently feeds into the fact that he was more of a disgrace. Mm. He did say he's lucky he saved one. I'd say I give I give him that. But the, the, the Guerrero save was bad. Um, Guerrero miss. And it's one of those things as well where the result really changes things. Because imagine if they had won the penalty shootout yeah. and it had been Kepper who made three saves. Imagine another scenario where they had won the penalty shootout, but actually Kepper did fuck all. Um, uh, I mean, nothing. As in City just missed. Uh, Kepper did nothing. And, and yeah, like Aguero puts it over the bar mm. and then, I don't know, whoever, Sané drills it wide. Mm. There's so many different outcomes that might have, have coloured this incident. In the end, Chelsea lose. And we're kind of in a situation where it looks like Sarri... Yeah, had one of his better games well, as Chelsea. Well, the, the, the word is they're all kind of uh, so it was right now. Some of the players are actually a little bit more on Sarri's side because of Kepa, uh, that they're a bit uh, irritated with Kepa. Uh, but also, I think just the general performance. They're all kind of they feel it was convincing and that it could be kind of a, a bit of a roadmap for the future. But actually, if, if there's a wider point there, it just you know, it kind of just brought to a head and what has been an issue with Chelsea all season that Sarri's football is just not a football. Or sorry, maybe the, the flip side. This squad, because the way it's been put together over four or five years, just isn't a squad built for Sarri football. It's a squad built for something like Conte or, or, or even further on Mourinho football. It's a team of introverts, isn't it? Mm. But, but that, that hence the lack of leadership on 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 the pitch. You know, you see David David Luiz going but going over. He's basically one of the few leaders in there, and, and I, I think he's a bit of a Sarri loyalist. Um, and uh, he gets to play. Yeah, and he gets to play. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think Kepa knows that it's tactical. And that's why he stays on. Mm. He's 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 essentially tried to engineer a hot, like a, a, an injury misunderstanding because he knows he's getting taken off with Caballeros because a penalty shootout's coming. He is feeling a bit embarrassed on the biggest stage at being taken off in the last minute before penalties because it is perhaps slightly an emasculating thing for a goalkeeper. Um, you know, especially Sp- and you know the Spanish tend to pride themselves on their machismo. You know, it's, it's a key part of their culture, a key pillar. So, do you think that? He kind of humiliated Sarri to avoid his own humiliation. It's possible. I think it's I mean, without knowing anything about him personally. There's a there's a certain ego there which uh, a lot of a lot of young athletes have. That it's very strong though, considering he's a guy who's only ever played for his hometown club um, before Chelsea. Becomes the most expensive goalkeeper in the world. Twenty three, quite quiet. Not got a great grasp of English. Obviously, otherwise they wouldn't have got Miguel in to talk to him. So we're looking at this guy, then it's. You know, it's not Peter Cech that you're, who's kind of shouting down a manager. It's not a veteran goalkeeper. It, it's a, essentially a kid in goalkeeping terms. Yeah, I mean, do you remember the um, the Swansea Bradford final six years ago? Uh, I mean, vaguely. Yeah. Right. So it's, I think um, the Swansea are three or four nil up, and, and Jonathan de Guzman and Nathan Dyer, I think, have a massive row over who's going to take a penalty. Um, and de Guzman, who is the, is the penalty taker, dies on a on a hat trick. And they just they just stand there arguing on the, on on the pitch. There's something about these games that that that, that just brings out the, you know, it, it, it finds you out. You know, it, you, you kind of you, you learn a lot about people from how they react under those kind of pressure situations with the opportunity to be a hero. Is, is it although is, well, when you went when you said these games, I thought you meant the League Cup. Is is is, 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 it, is it really that the League Cup doesn't matter that much? So no, that, well, it kind of it kind of it can bring out a bit more farce because ultimately, like it's not it's, it, all right. It's intense, but it's not really intense. No, well, I, I do think I, I do think. That these occasions, uh, when it is basically sudden death, it's all it, you know, it's, it's all or nothing. Uh, you know, you, you think about Zidane in, in, in the World Cup final. They are they they test different aspects of character to like a, a regular league game. That's what I, I do think that. 
It's it, not. It's not like the League Cup is like uniquely calibrated to, to test a man's sinew. But what's amazing is that you know within within forty eight hours of this game finishing. Uh, we've got more Premier League games, so it kind of gets yeah. forgotten about, and then everyone moves on because Chelsea would have played another game in, in not long. If this had been the FA Cup final, I yeah. mean, <laughs> this would be a hell of a story for for, it, it, for a week. Because then you you wouldn't have done a match for the Champions League. Precisely, yeah. yeah, no, no, you have a week of, of fallout really, mm. as like you know FA Cup legends uh, opine. We'd be getting emails. Mm. From, well, you know, he's disrespected it, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing is. is because the League Cup kind of has this, uh, like I don't know how to describe it, like rinky-dink uh, reputation now. Whereas, like, if someone had done that in the FA Cup final, I genuinely think there'd be more outcry yeah. because people would feel that he disrespected they, the competition. They, they, they've pissed Whereas on the game. The League Cup has disrespected itself so much by <laughs> by constantly changing yeah. the rules, constantly yeah. changing the name, all that sort of stuff. Um, do you have any other thoughts? Is it worse than spitting? <laughs> I'm not even going to get into yeah. that. But uh, the, the one thing I would say in, as regards, not whether it's worse than spitting, but in terms of... What's it, worse, it, that or not wearing a poppy? Yeah. Well, it's... it's, it's they're both... They're, neither is as bad as waving an imaginary yellow card. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it is something yeah. like... It was kind of one of the unbroken... I mean, all that, all that stuff is bullshit, but this is actually about how teams run. So, like... It, and it is kind of one of those... Just standard rules. If you're taken off, don't quit. That's just a man. That's just a manager's decision. So, it, like, it's, it was bizarre to see this. I mean, even I remember t- one of the most famous substitution instances I remember was one of the most famous players ever and one of the best at uh, Baggio against Norway in US 94. Uh, Italy had lost the first game to Ireland, three out. Yeah. Uh, so they had to win this match playing in Norway, and they Paliuka gets sent off, and it's after ten minutes something like that, and Saki takes off Baggio. And I remember Baggio like shocked, like pointing at me. Uh, but even Baggio, a player that standing, it's just, you know, he accepts the decision. So they go from that to, to what we saw on Sunday. It's um, Well, Clint, I mean, Clinton Morrison used to do it all the time for Palace, <laughs> but that's uh, by the by. Uh, you're looking at this game, uh, and we do think Sarri had a decent game. He, he kept Pep, Guardi- Pep Guardiola City, one of the better attacking teams we've seen in the Premier League in a long time, kept them to zero points, uh, not zero points at all, zero goals, same thing. One shot on target in the first 105 minutes. One shot on target in the first 105 minutes, um, which is an impressive piece of work from a... Uh, and he compromised on his style a little bit. And he wasn't that far away from, from potentially winning the cup and stuff. Um, but it does, as ever with these cup finals, you know, they've it's a binary outcome. Mm. You, you get one or the other. Which is handy to write about. So it's hard to, but it's hard to now take anything. I mean, what do you take away from this? Looking forward for both of these teams. For Man City, it's just the first step on the path to a potential quadruple. I'd say likely a treble. For likely a treble, fine. Mm. For Chelsea, what are you taking away? Uh, a little bit of consolidation to be. For this way, this, I think the, oh, the Kepa thing will die down and ultimately he's a £71 million pound keeper ahead of a 23-year-old so, uh, £71 million pound keeper who'd have just signed and are potentially going to transfer ban pending appeal. So <laughs> it's in their interest to just shut this down as, as quickly as possible and for both manager and um, player to get on with it. And I think that's kind of what has happened. I think that will happen. Uh, weirdly, Sarri's job feels safer than it did this time last week. Yeah, I think I'm just in terms of City, there's there's a lot more areas of concern that have arisen from that game that, that they'd probably like to admit having secured their first trophy of the season. Uh, De Bruyne and, and, and David Silva don't don't really quite look like they're, they're clicking in midfield at the moment. Fernandinho now injured, Laporte now injured, uh, Bernardo Silva got got uh, in, trampled on, on, on the foot by, by Angola Kante and, and his foot's been infected so he's probably he might be well be a doubt for Wednesday night and I think what Chelsea showed is that if you have a decent game plan and you, you close off what 
what we now call the half spaces, like around the corner of the penalty, the corner of the penalty area, uh, where De Bruyne and, and Silva, the two Silvers, like to operate. Uh, what what we, we used to call the channels, um, and close down those spaces, like ruthlessly hunt them down in those areas. Um, it's actually you you can create an effective defensive plan against City, and if some of the better teams that, are, that have to play them later in the season are, are watching that game, they're thinking we can actually neuter them. And I love that point because it perfectly leads me into Liverpool versus Manchester United, which was the other big game of the weekend. Um, Liverpool, one of the better attacking teams we've we've seen again in recent yeah. years, although they also have the best defence in the league. Manchester United have been a lot better under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer than they were under the previous bloke. Uh, this was kind of a game where they could really s- yeah. he could really kind of set out himself as he could set himself apart I think from Pochettino a little bit if they'd beaten Liverpool yeah maybe 2-0 or something like that in this game huge maybe huge huge statement well to, uh, to think that before this game we were fretting about who we're going to send up and should we was this the bigger game in the league cup final because imagine we'd send three to that and having to drag more words out of that shite I mean I say that um, yeah yeah because well, um, that was awful um uh, and you know, the, 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 one of the only talking points is this tedious debate over, oh, is it a good result or a bad result for Liverpool? Well, yes, it puts them a point ahead, but they could, they had a, a massive chance to beat a big... Basically, a very difficult game was made much easier for them by injuries, injuries yeah. and they didn't take it. And but, and I think it, the, the wider issue with that, even though, yes, Liverpool are still ahead of City, ultimately, I think it illustrates that if they don't win this title... W- what is likely to happen is not that there'll be any big blow up like 2014 or like that, but they'll just kind of start. They, they can't sustain what they did in the first half of the season. They'll just start dropping more and more points, and City will just inch away. The thing that interests me about this is I wonder we get into that point of the season where you wonder which teams have been worked out and which mm. teams can find a new innovation that makes the difference. And Simon Hughes was there for us, uh, writes about Liverpool a lot. And he wrote, you know, that in all the games that Liverpool uh, have lost this season or, or had bad results, I think one of them was a draw. It's always been creativity in midfield that's a problem, like the lack of creativity. Having Fabinho, one Alderman and Henderson in there who are kind of, at this point, they're, they're more lungs than mm. brains and feet. And uh, if it isn't working, you know, if you can kind of deal with the, the front three, then suddenly everything changes. Um, they can't create as many chances from midfield and you wonder maybe if Liverpool have hit a little bit of a rut like what is Klopp going to do and Klopp was asked afterwards kind of about a couple of things and he basically said the team needs more passion which is not necessarily what uh, you know like a a leading coach might say usually in these things that you know they would go back onto the training ground I appreciate maybe maybe Klopp would not say it because he wants to go on the training ground and do it but I wonder if Klopp's got a tweak or an innovation or something that he can provide here to give Liverpool something different. Because if that doesn't happen, yeah. I could see them running out of steam. They, they do look to be running out of legs, which is a greater problem, because their squad isn't as deep as City. And like even if you think of extra options in midfield, which does look the big the big problem now, that there's not much creativity there. What, do you stick Shakiri in or something? Maybe do try and try and configure that a bit. It would have to be more of a 4-2-3-1. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was a 4-3-3 three, three yesterday. Hmm. Um United hard to gauge because they lost so many players. Um, but that's I think stands to United. It's quite important. okay. Two things I'd say: Solskjaer, I've, for once on one hand made a big mistake by bringing on Lingard, oh, in yeah. that, uh, the, playing Lingard in that scenario where he had had an issue, was not ready, 
throws him in and then potentially loses him for a big game, tough game against Palace. And then what they got next weekend? Um, they got a game this weekend and then they play PSG, right? After yeah. that. So you've lost Minkus, Lingard, who's yeah. been brilliant, by the way, under especially under Ollie, he's been, been brilliant. And then we've got going forward, potentially Mata out, potentially Herrera out, uh, Martial hopefully coming back, Rashford, we don't know what's going on there. You've got all these players. So I, I think he, he took a, an unnecessary risk with Lingard. But I do think that the adjustments they made and the plan that they had, which kind of stifled Liverpool, speaks very well to Solskjaer's tactical acumen, which has uh, surprised me, actually, since he's been there. He, he's impressed me yeah, in yeah. terms of he's been a lot better than I thought he was. Yeah, completely. Um, a lot of talk is that he leaves maybe the... He delegates a lot of the training ground work quite well and then kind of is, is good at coming up with tactical plans. Um, which has been the case so far. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I, I do think the way I, like yesterday, it's a bit of pressure game. Situ- situation goes against them, yet they put in quite a resolute performance and probably had the better chances to win it as well. Uh, well done, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah, I mean, I think from from his managerial career today, I mean, what 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 we've we've seen of it at, at Mulder and Cardiff is that he's he has always liked to build his teams from the midfield and and, and play through the centre, but what we we've seen as well is that he's prepared to he's prepared essentially prepared to rip that plan up if mm. if he thinks a counter attacking game uh is is more going to be more effective as we saw at Wembley against Spurs for example where essentially it was get the ball into the channels let Rashford chase it mm. um so i think you know there there's a healthy flexibility which hasn't always been the case at united in recent years um i suppose that that's probably a yeah, that's that's probably uh, one of the the ways in which he's he's tried to learn from Ferguson as well. Ferguson obviously tried to, you know, tried to, to shift his tactics around for for big games. What have you learned from Ferguson? What have I learned from Ferguson? Mm. Uh, I can't I can't say on here really, but um, <laughs> but like actually actually, if you're going to write like an autobiography, actually commit to it. Just you know, it's it's, it's an absolute mess that book. <laughs> It's, it's it's honestly it's 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 just it's, it's got about five so fortunately you haven't slurred anyone individual uh, at it's this a ramble. stage. Um, also, he's called it my autobiography. That's tauto- that's tautological. Liverpool. And not only is it tautological, it's saying the same thing twice. Very good. Liverpool versus Manchester United. We are. Sorry, Miguel's just distracting me as always. Uh, Liverpool on his phone. Yeah, it's hard, weird, to, hard to believe. In a weird twist, um, Liverpool Man United doesn't change the league picture too much as we said because it was only uh, one point and Man City uh, what, I think what it boils right down to is Liverpool Man City are favourites with the bookies now yeah right? Liverpool they had a chance to go 10 clear fair enough they lost City you wouldn't blame them too much for that but ultimately that was a first defeat and took away some of their aura then they had a chance to go 7 clear and now it's one as we come into the stretch and there's a fair bit to go I, I just I, I'd say City by 5 to 7 points City still have to go to Old Trafford right they do yeah but well, we don't know how how tough that's going to be. I mean, it would well, be interesting if if uh, United did well, kind of hand the league to Liverpool. Did, that would be quite something. Do you think we're at a stage of the season though where, and I think this is particularly true for Liverpool rather than City because City have done it. I think that's where this does matter. That games that from August to December would have felt like, oh yeah, that's a that's a gimme at home, and then you just go out and play. Like I don't know, say say uh, say Watford at home, which they've got next week. Suddenly, after Christmas, when you're right in the run, that's not just a game we go out and play. As hang on, this is awkward, and they haven't scored after 25 minutes, and you know that kind of tension creeps in, and just the whole context is different, and that is why I think Liverpool will also pick up more draws. And I do want to do two minutes on the Premier League sacking that actually occurred this weekend before we 
just look back at the Champions League stuff because I know that is uh, something you want to talk about. Claude Puel, sacked by Leicester City after a 4-1 defeat at home to Crystal Palace. It wasn't a 4-1 sort of game. Uh, they had like 27 shots on goal um, and had all the ball. But that's how these things go down. Uh, weirdly, could you name me the three teams who have more points away from home this season than they do at home? Spurs are one of them. Uh, Bournemouth are not one of them. Liverpool? Liverpool, no. The answer is Crystal Palace, Manchester oh, yeah, United yeah, and sure. Tottenham. Mm. Um, Palace the most um, unbalanced. They, they've got a lot more points away from home than they have at home. And they're good at picking people on the counter, which is why a team like Leicester basically set out exactly as Palace would have wanted them. Mm. Uh, Puel's football, as we know, is like... Is fine, and his results tend to be quite good. Um, I think they're since he taken over, they were eleventh in the Premier League in terms of points mm. achieved. But uh, Palace leapt above them with that win. So, like you know, if a couple of results gone the other way, they'd be seventh, just behind the top six. What is the expectation at Leicester? Uh, I, I suppose ultimately it's to be what the seventh best club in the country. Because I think that. They they have to be basically trying to take down Everton. Yeah. They, they've still got the the base of they won the Premier League. I imagine they got a lot of enlarged sponsorship deals, etc. Off that prize money. Um, they have a good squad. They have a decent amount of money. They should be maybe looking to be like a Europa League sort of team yeah. consistently, and they're not there right now. So it, the names that are in the mix, uh, Brendan Rodgers is, is strong. Roberto Martinez, um, Allardyce has put himself in the mix. Uh, Roberto, no, David Wagner and Rafa Benitez are also, we believe, on the shortlist. So, Johnny, which direction are you going in if you're Leicester and, and, and why? What, sort of you, what are you trying to do with the club? Yeah, well, here's the problem with Leicester. The problem is they won the league and there's nowhere else you can go from that. There is literally nothing that happens in their past, present or future that's ever going to be better than what happened to them in 2016. How you then build a club around taking down Everton or qualifying consistently for the Europa League it's not the sort of so it's not the sort of mission that's that's really going to inspire you where where they failed in appointing Claude Puel is that they 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 picked a manager at the very opposite end of the scale he is a guy he's an extremely competent guy who will get you results but does not engage a fan base in in uh in a greater idea and that's what they need right now they need somebody to convince these Leicester fans that actually you know taking down Everton for seventh place is is going to be the mission that, that defines us. And this, this is going to be a greater mission. You know, he's going to get asked, can this match up to, um, you know, can, can this match up to, to winning the league in 2016? And and they'll have to say yes. Yeah. Uh, so so that's why Puel was, was not, you know, not the right guy. He, he's kind of a Mark Hughes, you know, he's competent. But, uh, you know, so I would say somebody like Brendan Rodgers, who has that kind of Jesus complex. Yeah, yeah, Brendan. Although I think I've, Talking to a few Celtic journalists, or uh, journalists who cover Celtic, should I say, they were kind of playing that down a little bit. Uh, another thing with Puello is apparently really that a lot of the players just went off him. Uh, I heard an anecdote about... A lot about, of friction. Yeah, I heard an anecdote about one player audibly snoring. Uh, like uh, He wasn't actually asleep, but you know, just he was taking the piss during a team talk. Um, and uh, another who, uh, with an earshot of Puello, was saying, get, get It might me. just have been a misunderstanding. <laughs> of course, yeah. Get me out of this club with this man. Uh, so, you know. Uh, I, I wrote a piece about it yesterday. Uh, and, and there's a, a saying in Major League Baseball, which is uh, repurposed for the first episode of, of Billions, um, in which they say, uh, 
town's fire managers owners just deliver the message and i i kind of feel like leicester never warmed to puel but neither did southampton and and neither did some of his other previous clubs so it's clearly a thing there i think he's reliable and i think he he does he's a good coach but what Leicester actually need is probably a high variance sort of guy, a guy who's boom or bust. And when Leeds hired Bielsa, I said this is kind of boom or bust. That they could win the league by a mile, they could get relegated this year. Like neither would surprise you if this whole thing blew up and he was fired within a week. I think Leicester probably need that. They need someone who could do something special, even if it's got a downside. Because if it doesn't work out, they sack him, they bring in Allardyce, and they stay up and they they reboot for the next year. Puel never seemed to have that spark, that bit of magic to lift them where they needed to be or where they wanted to be. Uh, and the answer, sorry, not the answer, the result that you get left with is you're just floating in mid-table, which is, you know, there is a Premier League purgatory now. There's a lot of clubs who are too good to get relegated and not good enough to do anything else. And it's, you know, you, you wrote the piece uh, early January about uh, Fulham Huddersfield and like, what's the point of this game? Well, that's got a lot more point to it than a lot of the games we're going to see in the next three months in the mid-table of the Premier League. It's a great job to have. They they should have no shortage of, of decent candidates because of the, this 14-team Fatberg in the middle of the of the, the Premier League, they should they should be the ones, along with the likes of Everton and West Ham, who, who should be looking to pull away and essentially ensure themselves against relegation. The finances are, are incredible after the you know the league and that Champions League run. Uh, the squad is, is... They've got good players, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a huge opportunity there. But again, you know... You, what's the what's the greater purpose uh and, and any other thoughts on Leicester before we move on Miguel I know you're not no a huge Foxes man so no no, no. I, I was there for a lot of that uh running I, I, I was there is not quite the same but uh <laughs> let's uh just as I say recap. I, I I saw um Andrea Bocelli sing on the pitch great Club well done uh, we can all pay for opera singers yeah. uh Let's have a look at the Champions League. So last week you went to you're on um, Tuesday. You were at Liverpool Bayern, and on Wednesday you were at Atletico versus Juve. Yeah. So Liverpool versus Bayern first up. Bad game. Bad game. Uh, I think Liverpool will go through. Actually, you know, I'm, I'm still basing it actually on the form of three months ago. Whereas now I certainly don't have that much faith in Liverpool to create much. Um, Bayern could pick them off. Yeah, Liverpool scoring away goal and it gets interesting though, right? Liverpool should just sack that off. I know it's I know it's the Champions League and it's Bayern Munich, but just like sack that off. Well Klopp admitted before the game that the Premier uh, uh, League's bigger for them than the Champions League. So it's like right, if that is what it is, then it is I was surprised how forthright he was, but and you kinda of sense it, like I've been to fi- Is he just releasing the pressure or is that legit? I don't know. But you, you you could sense it on the night. Like I've been to a fair few of those be a big Champions League nights at Anfield and the atmosphere is genuinely for all for all people take the piss out of it, it's actually then you go there and well, this is good. But this wasn't one of those nights. And I I do wonder whether that's because right now it can't be a big European night at Anfield because all their big games now are in the league. So it, it, it's just it's a bit of a sideshow at the a moment. A big domestic night at Anfield. Yeah, a big domestic night at Anfield. If you're a Liverpool fan and you win the Champions League and finish second in the Premier League, how do you reflect on this season? I, we talked about this last week. I, the I, I asked a, a relatively prominent Liverpool fan that we know and he said it, it, it's, it, it feels amazing to say this but it would actually be a disappointment. Yeah. Yeah, that's remarkable, isn't it? Mm. Um, the Wednesday games, Atletico Madrid against Juve. So Atletico won two 0 Very impressive. Cristiano Ronaldo's yeah. Champions League dream on the precipice. Yeah, did um, nothing. I mean, this this wasn't this wasn't a great Juve team, but Atletico just did what they do, right? I mean, they are as impressive a unit as any team in the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and it was pretty impressive given how they lifted it. Given they've been kind of suspect in the league, but they just made Juventus look like what 
They have been. And I do a lot of the expectation was that maybe Atletico are on the decline. But it actually looks like that's more the case at Juve. They were so one one thing I was shocked at Juve was how open their half of the pitch was and how easy well they were to get at. Um, and, and they, you know, it was two 0 which mm. is it, it could have been three four. It's not the end. It's not the end of the tie, but two 0s solid. But you know that clearance where Chiellini puts it over his own bar, which is awesome. But like Christ, in most other circumstances, that's a goal. Yeah. You're looking at all the other chances they have, and Atletico, as solid as they are, like one of the best offensive sides of a generation. They do still create. They do make chances. They're a good attacking team because they've got Antoine Griezmann, who's unbelievably good. Um, Diego Costa can rampage around. They've got other options. They can bring on like Thomas Lamar, who can make things happen. So I, I do think that they are a huge, huge contender. I, I, I agree with with pretty much all of that. I, I will say that like you, you've traditionally been a, a very good second leg team. Schalke Man City as well, by the way. Uh, I do want to mention that. Yeah, good game. Purely because, uh, I mean, Jack had a disaster. Unfortunately, we had to walk back along a dual carriageway. For I, 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 I believe that was a fault of um, a man who's written for the Independence. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, no, are we, we, we going to name? Touch, no, we won't name anyone. Um, <laughs> gave, but, gave Jack duff information. Yeah, Jack was told that the trams ran all night. Spoiler, the trams did not run all night. <laughs> no, uh, no, 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 go to the end of the night. They, uh, they didn't do any in Jack's pictures uh, of walking along a Gelsenkirchen dual <laughs> uh, carriageway at four in the morning were as, as sad as you could see, especially no when, taxis. when I wake up the next day. Yeah, yeah no taxis whatsoever. Um, anything you want to look forward to this week? We've got Chelsea Tottenham, which I'm, I guess I'm, is I'm one going of the big to, games. Uh, I'm going to Chelsea Tottenham, am I? Uh, yeah, probably, yeah. Chelsea, Tottenham, uh, and um, I'm going to... Palace, Man United's on the same night as Jack Pitt Brook, I believe. Johnny, you're at a game this week? Um, Spurs, Spurs, Arsenal. Oh, crikey, is that the weekend? Uh, that's, that's, that's this weekend, yeah. Yeah, so that's lunchtime. Yeah, and then, so, so, so what I might do is do, do the North London derby and then maybe do Fulham. On Fulham Chelsea on the Sunday. Yes, and, yes, and that works. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fulham Chelsea, Everton Liverpool. That's going to be built as some sort of derby Sunday on Sky Sports. Tottenham Arsenal is the lunchtime kickoff on Saturday, so we've got some big games. Tottenham's defeat at Burnley uh, does make things interesting. I'm just looking at the Premier League table now. Um, Once again, oh. every time, like. Oh, so, I mean, again. Is this because you said Spurs were in the title race and then they lost the game to Burnley? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah but, okay. but, but no, every, no, I, I knew what way I, you were. I, I know it's not their fault, but, but basically every time there's a bit of buzz about them and you kind of. You, but it is their fault, they lost the game. But they're not the ones bringing on this kind of this hype. But yeah, they still just. But when, it, when there's finally an opening. Like Michael Corleone in reverse, just when you think they're in, they pull themselves back out. I, I actually use that <laughs> as, as, my, as my intro. I, I use that as my intro for the Wolves game. <laughs> and Newcastle, Newcastle's win over Huddersfield at the weekend, by the way. I know uh, people don't pay a load of attention all the time to the the bottom of the table, but it is interesting. And Southampton are back below the line. So Cardiff are currently safe. Hmm. Uh, Huddersfield are 14 points adrift and look to be in all sorts of trouble. Fulham, eight points adrift. And then it's where it gets interesting. Southampton on 24, Cardiff 25, Brighton 27, Newcastle 28. I don't know if you can do the cut-off at Burnley on 30 points, Crystal Palace 30 points, Leicester 32, but I think they'll be fine. Um, any other business that you'd like no. to discuss, gentlemen, before um, we go? We do have a slightly early call tonight because uh, it's the Sports Journalism Awards for which Johnny, sat in this very room, is nominated for two separate prizes, uh, I believe. The... Uh, our website is, is nominated. There are a, a raft of, of nominations. I think we've got seven in total for which uh, Luke has already found out. He's been highly commended for Young Sports Journalist mm-hmm. of the Year. Uh, Luke Brown covers Arsenal for us. If you're not following him, he looks a bit like a cartoon dog. Be. He does look like a cartoon dog. Um, we have sponsorship news. Uh, we uh, There is 
craft beer company who will be sponsoring the podcast but we can have two sponsors so uh, please do get in touch if, if you uh, would like to sponsor probably, the podcast probably not another craft beer though not craft if you're beer, a craft no, beer no. maker I think you've missed it we, have, you missed se- it we have sector sponsors so uh, we could do that also we are um, in discussions with uh, the chain Sports Bar and Grill to do some live podcasts if you are interested in doing live podcasts yeah I am um, I know you are I know if you're interested in attending live uh, uh, podcasts please let me let us know uh, just with a tweet or something so we can get a rough gauge of the sort of capacity we should uh, get ready for there will be more details coming on that soon um, so until next week when we'll have uh, presumably a full raft of sponsors not to mention uh, some more results a better idea of the title race and hopefully a bevy of awards from tonight uh, I'd like to thank you Jonathan Lou for joining me today yeah thank you and welcome back and uh, thank you to Miguel for joining us today and I've been Ed Malley, and this has been the Indie Football Podcast. And until next week, goodbye. It's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.